Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Today we're going to finish up our sermon series from the, the Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. We haven't finished the whole letter by any means, uh, but we finished up this portion of it that we are covering. It's titled Saints Under Construction. And, and that very first week when we looked at this and talked about saints under construction, you remember we said that that moment a person receives Jesus Christ as Savior, finally says, okay, I get it. I open up my heart and mind. I receive Jesus as Savior. Uh, that deep down inside, he becomes a new person, a new creation. Deep down inside, old things are passed away. Everything has been made new. And you remember we've described it this way, that before that point, we are sinners, you know, who somehow think we need to try to become saints, holy ones. That's what the word saints means, holy, holy ones, holy people. And, and, but that moment we receive Jesus as Savior, no longer are we sinners trying to become saints. Now we are saints who are learning not to sin. And the difference is huge. And we're going to see more of that uh, in today's message. And then the second week, we we've, uh, saw where the scripture says that Paul said, I've determined to know only Jesus Christ among you and him crucified. And that this idea of Jesus coming, dying for us, showing us our great need, that that always needs to be at the core, at the foundation of our lives as Christians. We are in desperate need of him. And then we saw that we need to develop an eternal perspective because every choice we make in life is a choice either to invest for eternity or to waste something for all eternity. If you go ahead and go to that next slide, John, okay? So an eternal perspective we need to develop. And then we saw in chapter four that, if, that we are faithful to Christ as we are faithful stewards. And that's how we serve him. In other words, he has entrusted all of this to us and as we take it to heart and then say, I gotta live by this and figure it out, we become faithful stewards and that's how we serve the Lord. And then last week we saw that we need to really make sure that we take sin seriously and that God has called us to a higher standard than the world around us. And so it's really important that we remember that. Remember we talked about learning to make judgments with respect to sin without becoming judgmental people. Such an important distinction. And that brings us to today's sermon. And, and the, the, we have a higher standard to live by because we have a higher calling. And we have a higher calling than the world around us. And when you have a higher calling, well, then that affects everything else in life. How many of you have ever watched The Lord of the Rings, the movie The Lord of the Rings, or read it? A lot of you, okay, not all of you. But the Lord of the Rings, we start off the story of, of Frodo, Frodo Baggins, a little hobbit, and hobbits like to eat, hobbits like to sleep, and hobbits like to play games. And they end up going on this journey, but he ends up with this ring, the ring that really needed to be destroyed in the fires of his mortar or whatever, but the idea is that had to happen. And it was entrusted to him. And he didn't think that much about it to begin with, but as he went, he became more and more aware of how crucial it was that he succeeded at this. 
and how he had been chosen to do this, and he had this really high calling, and it began to take over his life, and more and more his decisions and his attitude and his thinking were driven by this high calling that he had. Well, we have a high calling as Christians, a very high calling, and that's what we want to look at today. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I believe that's page 1314 in the Bible that's there under the chairs. And if you don't have a Bible, we encourage you to, to take one and follow along with us. And we're going to start in the last two verses of chapter 6. Because this is where he really describes to us our high calling. Verse 19, he says, and because he's continuing conversation here, but he says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, I read that and... and um, I've read that so many times in life, had it memorized for many years, and it's easy just to kind of rattle it off. But, but yesterday afternoon, I was, I was sitting down and reading this again and thinking about it, and all of a sudden, it just really overwhelmed me. He says, how does he say it? Do you not, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Now, the Holy Spirit is not some force-like thing. The Holy Spirit is God. Just as God the Father is God, just as the Son of God is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And do you see what he's saying? It's when we receive Christ as Savior, God takes up residence. Now, okay, God takes up residence. He comes to live within me. Do you understand who this God is? Have you ever really stopped and looked at creation? I saw, uh, I mean, uh, some of you had seen it probably yesterday too, but it came back on Facebook again, pictures that the Hubble telescope has taken out in space. And as far as they can go and the farther they look, there are more and more and more and more stars and the distances are beyond our ability to comprehend and the, the size of these things, it's just, and the energy that's there, and then bring it all the way back down and go all the way down to the, to the microscopic level, the atomic level, all of this, God designed, and it's easy for him <laughs> to understand. This is the God who has taken up residence. This is no small thing. This is big. It's really huge that God himself, when we receive Christ as Savior, God himself moves in, and we become his temple I am the dwelling place of God on earth. That's big to say, isn't it? Where is God? He's in me. Well, it doesn't always look like it, does it? He's in you. Even though it doesn't always look like it. He's in us. And so this is the idea of our high calling. When, when Jesus died for us, paying the penalty for our sins, and, and we receive him as Savior, and then he comes to live within us, and we become his temple, we become his dwelling place on earth, we become the, the body that he works through and speaks through and touches people's lives through. It is a huge calling, and that's what, what Paul tells us here. 
He says, okay, because the Holy Spirit is in you, God has moved in. And, and he paid for you by sending his own son. That's, you were bought at a price. What a price. How do we determine what something is worth? Something is worth whatever anybody is willing to pay for it. Aren't you amazed? How many ever see, you know, on television shows, some antique show where they're coming and having their antiques evaluated, right? And it seems like they bring in, sometimes you look at that and you say, that's junk. And sometimes it is. And other times, you know, they look and they, wow, do you know what you have? Do you know what it is? And I get this piece of junk and they say, it's worth $20,000. Well, what's that piece of junk worth? What's it worth? 20, because somebody will pay $20,000 for it. Okay? So, well, what did God pay for you? He paid himself. He paid his son. How valuable are you to God? You see? He's come to live within you and he, he's purchased you. And because of so we start to see this, that wow, the God of the universe is in me. And all that that means, and, and he purchased me at great price. He values me so highly. And then in verse 20, he says, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, here's our calling. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is your God. So it was your whole being, your body and all that's in you. Glorify God. Now, that's a religious term, glorify God. What does glorify God mean? Well, when we start thinking about the word, word glory, as it, it's used in the languages where it was originally written, it communicates the idea of a, a brilliance, uh, an overwhelming brilliance, a weightiness, a heaviness. So when we talk about God's glory, what we're saying is he is overwhelming. And, and his, his glory is, is, is uh, more than we can imagine. And it's a heavy thing, heavy thing in the sense of it really matters, it's weighty. So, let's, thinking that, is there anything then about God that's not glorious? Is there anything about God that's not glorious? I'm actually asking you. No, there's nothing about God that is not glorious. If you see any part of God, you see his glory. Okay, so how do I then glorify him? I glorify him by letting him be seen in me. By letting you see him in me. By living according to his word and his ways and, and loving those things so that he, as someone looks at my life, they can see the, the marks of God. As they see the marks of God, they see something about God. They see his glory. He is glorified. When someone talks to you and says, how can you have peace in the circumstances that you're in? Why aren't you worried about all this stuff like we are? Well, it's because I'm trusting God. And he is trustworthy. And they see it. What are they doing? They're seeing God in you, and, and he is being glorified in you. And so this is our calling, to walk through life with God in us, reaching out to the world through us, showing himself to the world through us, through our words, through our actions, through our attitudes. And that's how we glorify him, and that is our high calling. Well, how do we do it? 
What's, what is required for us to fulfill this high calling? What does God say has to be there? Well, let's go back here into 1 Corinthians chapter 6 again. Let's, let's go f- toward the front of the chapter, not all the way. Let's go back to verse number 9. And look at what is required. Now there's some language here that we aren't used to using these words, okay? But just, just relax about that. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? They will not make it to heaven. They will not be a part of God's future. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, and that word means sexually immoral people, nor idolaters, people who worship something besides God, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And and the sodomites, the term used here in Corinth, they had this uh, false worship of their their false gods. And part of the way people worshiped was through sexual activity in the temple. And so the sodomites were involved in that. He says, nor thieves, nor covetous. And that's where, you, you know, you, you just want something so bad that you're willing to consider doing wrong to get it. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, evil speakers, nor extortioners, people who cheat others. He says, none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. I thought everybody could be saved. Isn't that what we usually say? Everybody can be saved? I mean, can this be much clearer? And by the way, the list would be bigger than this if Paul went on. He just gave a sample list. Not making it to heaven. Hmm. Let's read on. Verse 11, he says, and such were. Okay, grammar lesson. Were. What tense is that? Past tense. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified. That's that, that word made holy. We said that they were made saints. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, what I want you to see is this. The first thing that is required is conversion. The only way you can fulfill this higher calling is to be converted, which means to be changed. And this happens when we receive Christ as Savior. Now, this is why every week I've gone back and reviewed, and I didn't as much today because I knew we'd cover it in the sermon, this very first sermon that we had when we said God has made us saints. He's changed us deep down inside. Now, we're talking about identity here. Who are you? And what we see here, based on what Paul is saying, okay, they say he talks about a thief, right? He said, thieves do not make it to heaven. Can a Christian steal? Yes, a Christian can steal. Should a Christian steal? Okay, good. I'm glad we got that one nailed down. But a Christian can steal. But, and, and so what the deal is, is, is what's going on here? 
Well, before a person receives Christ who has a struggle with taking things that doesn't belong to him, that person is a thief. That is who they are by nature. But the moment they receive Jesus Christ as Savior, they aren't that anymore. They are no longer a thief. Remember, it's, I'm no longer a thief who needs to become a saint. I am now a saint who is learning not to steal. You see the difference? Everything in this list that we looked at, that's what, if you're a Christian, that's what I used to be. God has changed your identity. But, but see this, that if that is not the case with you, if you have not had conversion, you haven't reached that point where once and for all, a once in a lifetime kind of thing, you see where you're at as a sinner separated from God and you finally say, okay, I, I, I give myself up to you. I receive Jesus as Savior. I, I put my faith in him. And, and the Bible describes that as being born again, being saved, uh, coming to Christ, all those kinds of things, same, same thing. If that has not happened in your life, you are still who you always were. And this list is an ugly list. But there's, we could go on the list, it doesn't look so ugly. You're a respectable, self-sufficient sinner. You see what I'm saying? You're still separated from God. Conversion is required. And, and once you finally get it and say, okay, I am making a conscious, purposeful decision to receive Christ as Savior, at that moment, he changes you inside forever. And you are not the same person you used to be. Yeah, you got the same brain, mind, memories, I know that. But deep down inside, he has changed you. And so, whatever you were before you get saved, after you get saved, you say, I used to be that. But now I am saved. Now I am Changed. Now I'm a saint and I'm learning and growing so that I don't live the ways I used to live anymore. So conversion is required. So there's another thing that's required. Let's go back to our Bible here. Let's start in verse number 13. Now, before we read it, understand that I already mentioned to you um, that in Corinth, Part of the corrupt worship that was there, it said involved sexual activity in the temple, and I mean, just beyond, okay? What, you know, we today thinking about that. Although I would say that, uh, boy, in our culture, isn't there a, a sense of which that sexual immorality has become a part of their worship, of what they worship in our culture? Yeah. But anyway, so this is a huge problem. And to, to get the Corinthians, you've been saved. Now you need to learn to live differently. And this shouldn't be part of your life anymore. And that's the issue he's going to address and show them. Uh, but he starts off with a, a saying that, that they were saying. So let's look at that in verse 13. Here's the saying. Foods for the stomach and stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Say, what in the world are they talking about? Well, what they're saying is it's, it's just a physical thing. Hey, you put food in the stomach, the stomach takes care of the food, but in the end, it's all going away. It's just a physical thing. So it doesn't matter what you eat, what you don't eat. And they were, that reasoning was being applied to everything. Sex, they're saying, is just a physical thing. Just a physical thing. And all that stuff is what? Passing away. Doesn't matter. 
But the Apostle Paul challenges that thinking. Middle of verse 13, he says, Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you understand that God has a plan for your body? So much so that he's going to raise it again one day when this, you know, life's over and the resurrection comes. Did it matter that the Lord's body rose? Yeah, see, what happens with your body and what you do with your body does matter. That's what Paul is saying here. And he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? And as we, when we become saved, we get connected with Christ. Remember, he moves in. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Now, harlot, uh, it's, it's the idea of a prostitute or an immoral woman. And what he's saying is, if we are indwelt by a holy God, should we connect ourselves with someone who is absolutely opposed to God? And he says, certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. He just quoted out of Genesis. And he talks about God's intent for marriage, that when the two come together in sexual intimacy, that is to help produce this oneness in them. And he says, why are you taking that and spending it here? Verse 17, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So we are inseparably connected to the Lord. Whatever we do, we bring God with us. Therefore, he says in verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body, his own being. Somehow or other, other sins are, are spiritual and they don't affect us physically, but he says when we sin with our bodies in this way, it affects our bodies negatively. So here's what I want you to see. And, and Paul was dealing with sexual immorality, but what he's saying here, his approach to this issue applies to every issue of life. And so the second thing that's required is a, con- a conscious application of truth to life. Conscious application of truth to life. Because look at the truths here. He says that, and I'm going to paraphrase you, but he says, God has a plan for your body. We know this. He made your body. He made it for himself and for his purposes. And he's going to raise your body from the dead. God has a plan and purpose for your body. So that's truth, isn't it? That's truth. Okay, so he says, now let's apply that truth and think. Is it true that it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies because our bodies are just going to die and go away? Is that true? We say, no, wait a minute. God says he has plans and purposes for our bodies. Therefore, that is not true. Do you see what we're doing? We're taking biblical truth and applying it in very practical ways in life. And we have to do this if we're going to fulfill our higher calling in Christ. All right? Uh, another truth here, verse 17, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So he's saying, when we receive Christ, we become one with God, don't we? And because that's true, he says, why then in the world would you think that you ought to try to become one with someone who is opposed to God and is disobedient to God and and, in sexual immorality? You know, if... Years ago, our teenagers did a skit. And the skit was, 
about what if Jesus was actually there walking around with you through life? Would it change where you went? Would it change what you did? Would it change what you said, how you talked? Would it change even maybe who you hung out with and why? I mean, so many things that would change, wouldn't it? Well, guess what? He's with you. And he's more close than just dang, hanging around outside of you. He's in you. And so because he's in you, and that's true, then we've got to say, wait a minute, where am I going in life? What am I doing in life? Why am I doing this? And so we take this biblical truth that, that God himself lives within us, and we say, well, that needs to affect then what I do in life. And, and then finally, he talks about, he uses, he quotes the Old Testament, and when God created Adam and Eve, and he made, they were naked and unashamed, and this, this sexual relationship was open, and he says that the reason for that, the two shall become one flesh, and that this sexual relationship was intended to produce a much greater intimacy between them. And God says, so we want to say, okay, if that's what it's for, then anything else is working against that. Anything else in that area doesn't belong. And so we take this biblical truth and we apply it to life and make decisions about it. And so this would be true for any issue of life that you have to deal with. You need to say, what does God say? Now, what does that mean? What do we have to know? Yeah, we have to know what God says, don't we? We have to know what God says about something so we can begin to apply it. But here's the deal. What, I guess we'll step back. I think we have a tendency sometimes just, just to bump along through life. We're just going through life, and we're not giving a lot of thought. We're just kind of doing whatever makes sense to us at the moment. And I'm telling you that if we're going to fulfill our higher calling, you can't live that way. You have to become conscious about what is really true. What does God say? Okay, what does that mean here in my life? You have to do that or you will not fulfill your higher calling. And yes, you have to know then what God says. And you're, you're off to a great start by being here on Sunday mornings here in the Word, but it's not enough. You need to be in the Word for yourself and we can help you with that if you don't know how to do it. I really encourage you to get in a life group because, man, you can sit around with other Christians and, and, and take in the Word and, and figure out what is really true and all those things so you can make decisions that will help you fulfill your higher calling. And that brings us to the third thing, the third requirement. Verse number 12. Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And, and when he says all things are lawful, he's talking about anything that God has not already said. If God has said this is wrong, it's always wrong, Right? If God has said that you need to do this, this is right, then it's always right. But when he says everything else, I'm free to make a choice. I can choose. If God has not told me I can't, I'm free to. Hey, that sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? And it's true. Paul says it. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. If you're going to fulfill your higher calling, you need to start making consistent choices that are based on your higher calling. Consistent, higher calling kinds of choices. 
If someone wants to be the world champion swimmer, what do they do? They make choices in their lives to succeed at that. A hockey player, a businessman, a soldier, whatever. If they want to excel at that and be the best they can, they have to make choices in life. And there are probably lots of things that they could do that they choose not to do. And none of those callings measure up to our calling. Our calling is much higher than that, to glorify God of universe, to let him be seen in us and through our lives. And if we're going to do that, we have to make these kinds of choices. Now, Paul here says we make these choices. We have two truths and two guidelines to follow. Two truths, two guidelines. And the first truth is about ownership. We already settled that, right? We saw in the past, I belong to God. And if I belong to God, then who gets to decide what I do? God does. I should operate according to his plans for me. And that's the second truth, that God has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for my life. And, and for all of us, there are things about that that are the same. And then there are, for each of us individually, there are things that are specific to us. Okay, so God owns me. I belong to God, and he has a purpose for me. So those are these two truths that we're going to base this on. Then when we take those two truths and then we begin to make decisions, we apply these two guidelines, and we're going to put them up there as questions. And the first one, when we look at a choice, we ask, does this help me? Isn't that what Paul says, right? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful and the other, he said, all things are lawful, but I'm not going to be brought under the power. I'm not going to let any of those things take control of me in my life. And so we ask the second question, might this hinder me? And we're talking about glorifying God. So when I, I finally settled and realized, wait a minute, my purpose in life, that God has purchased me and my purpose is to glorify him, to let him be seen in me, to let him use me, to let him touch the world through me. And when I get that, and now I'm faced with a choice. And I need to say, well, does this, if I do this, does it help me glorify God in some way? And if it's yes, awesome. But then we want to ask the second question. Might this hinder me? Might this get in the way? Might this create problems in my life or create problems in someone else's life? Might this hinder me? So let's, let's just apply this to a few examples. Let's think. When, it, when I have some free time and I get to make a choice about what I watch on television or what I watch in the movies, okay? And so I gotta ask the question. I gotta ask the question, does this help me? What I'm cho choosing to watch here, does this help me glorify God in some way? Well, it could if, it's, if this is uh, a valuable material, if it's a great story, has moral values, uh, and, and I can also maybe relax, watch. I mean, you know, okay, great. Maybe it does help. But then I said, might this hinder me? And I tell you what, as I, as I, my range of what I'm willing to sit down and watch has shrunk over the years. Because most of it's not very helpful. And there's a bunch of it that will hinder me and affects me and turns my thoughts in the wrong direction and affects my emotions in ways that are not positive. So we think about it that way. How about, where do you go for entertainment? 
Where do you go for your entertainment? And if you, when you start thinking about those decisions, you need to think, hey, is this going to help me glorify God or, or might this hinder me from glorifying God in some way? And then you think the same thing, what about my habits in life? We all have habits of some kind. What are my habits? Does this habit help me glorify God? Does this habit maybe hinder me glorifying God? So let me get a little more pointed here. You know, uh, do you smoke pot, drink alcohol, or use other psychoactive drugs of some kind? You need to ask yourself the question. Does this help me glorify God? If it does, okay. But then you ask the question, might it hinder me? And you start finding out there's a lot of things that you probably ought to let go of. You're free to do them. But if you want to fulfill your higher calling, you need to ask these questions about it. How about this? You know, how much money do you spend on things that you want but don't need? You know, there's a lot of money going out the door. And you start asking yourself, well, I'm doing this. Does this help me glorify God in some way? Or, or might this hinder me in my ability to glorify God? Who do you hang out with when you have spare time and you're able to hang out with somebody else? You know, hang out with this person a, a lot. Does this help me? Or does this hinder me? And, and go on down the list. Make your own list up, right? It's your choices when you're facing them. Learn to ask those two questions. We have these two truths. God owns you. He's purchased you. He has a purpose for your life. And then everything that you have to choose, does it help me? Might this hinder me? And when you start making these kinds of choices, the conscious consistent, higher calling kinds of choices, you are then putting yourself in a position to fulfill your higher calling. What God has called you to, go ahead and go there in the next slide if you would, John. He, he, you are in a place to do that. And that's a good thing. But so you want to ask a question. And let's think of this just very quick. Let's review what we've talked about today. What is required? If I say, oh, I do want to to fulfill my higher calling, what is required? Well, first thing was, do you remember it? Conversion. You have to become a changed person, and you do that by receiving Jesus as Savior. There is a point of conversion. If there's not a point of conversion, you have not become a Christian. You can think it's nice. You can say, I agree with it, all you want. But unless you receive Jesus as Savior and genuinely converted, the change hasn't happened. And it has to happen. Then, uh, you need to begin to make conscious, consciously apply the truth to your life. Get purposeful in this. Conscious about it. Okay, here's what God says. What does that mean in my life? Okay? And then when you have other choices to make, you've got to make higher calling kinds of choices. Higher calling kinds of choices. And if you'll get these three things a reality in your life, you will be well on your way to fulfilling your higher calling. Don't live for anything less. Fulfill that higher calling that God has called you to. I guarantee you, when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, you will never regret anything that you did in an effort to fulfill your higher calling. And you will regret everything else. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, thank you for your word. That you do speak so clearly about so many things, Father. Sometimes in ways that we feel a little uncomfortable with. But thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth. Help us to understand it, Father, and capture our hearts and minds today with this idea of you have called us to this high calling and that we will desire to fulfill it and and then do the things that need to happen for that to be a reality in our lives. You are so worthy of it. Stir our hearts to do what we need to do to accomplish these things. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.